welcome everybody uh what i am so 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 excited to like actually bring this guest on on the third episode of uh, community decoded podcast powered by threado uh, where i chat with world class community builders where we together dissect decode and dive a little deeper into like how communities build in the past in your in the guest experience and how the guests are like you know doing right now in the current state uh, i'm sharat i'm your host um the head of community at threado let's get into it today i have uh emily lonetto am i sorry if i'm but yeah, your correct. perfect awesome emily is the director of community at uh, webflow she's she's done a lot of things in in startups uh she's not directly involved in community before but she was like at in growth she worked at this amazing phenomenal startup called tilt uh she was at voice flow you know we can go on and on about her career uh emily thank you for joining the part welcome to the show thank you so much so excited to be here absolutely uh right off the bat i do have like some topics i've covered uh, i've i've uh, took notes and like some type of uh, questions i want to ask but let's make it more conversational so the first the first and the first question i have for you is you you had a you had a diverse resume it's not like your you know your path was like very straightforward right like you were you were your venture partner you have like you've been in growth teams working and all that so why community and how did you fell in love with the with the with the whole community space when did that happen and when did you realize like you know what this is what i want to do for the rest of my life or at least as of now Yeah, I think like a lot of people, um community is one of those things where you are actually in it for significantly longer than mm-hmm. you realize and then one day you're like, "Oh, so this <laughs> is what I've been doing." Um, right. And uh I think for me, I I've always been like that quintessential mm-hmm. one in the friend group or even like growing up being like, "Oh, I want to organize things. I want to bring people together. I mm-hmm. I want to help facilitate things." And mm-hmm. that that drive okay. doesn't die no matter what part of Absolutely. your life that you're in right. or, or whatever role. Right. And so kind of throughout my career, although I've spent almost all of it in growth and product and kind of really more on on the technical side of things, I have always fallen into the bucket of okay hey guys it's time that we build a community and we thread that into our product mm. or or it's time that if i don't have opportunity to build something like that in my day job okay i'm right. going to go in my free time and build up my own uh community mm. uh, for right. other folks that have similar problems um mm-hmm. and so kind of over the course of my life uh I have used community as a form to grow companies, as a form to mm-hmm. learn, as a form mm-hmm. to like connect and grow with other people and mm-hmm. wanted to really especially thinking about webflow, how can mm-hmm. I like fully commit myself to a company that truly understands the power Absolutely, of what it yeah. looks like and also happens to be an incredible product led growth company so i was like this mm-hmm. is it's the hall pass it's the mecca <laughs> right yeah i know i'm a, i'm a, i'm a huge fan of uh vlad the way he runs webflow uh he's he's a, he's a true inspiration and the way he's tr- being he's a very transparent leader he shares you know pretty proudly like everything that's happening inside webflow like you know in the industry and uh, one of the things he said which is which is so true is that i feel given community such a hard topic uh everybody is actually making a career of it but think about like 5 10 years ago 
communities were built out of passion and nobody would have like nobody got rewarded for building certain communities like it's really purely like you know bringing people together and it's a good thing that it's becoming its own industry uh like any other industry like saas or b2b and you know it has its own benefits i think i i personally uh am very excited to be part of this revolution because i truly believe in the next 20 years or 30 years even further beyond that pretty much every founder realizes the power of community and they blend both power product led growth and community led growth and you know it's kind of like a parallel tracks that i feel it'll run inside a startup to grow to be bigger and like you know uh, so what is what you said absolutely true and i think we we all accidentally stumbled upon this thing called community and like you know what we're we're doing it might as well like just make a career of it and i love that so uh, you mentioned also one thing which again talking about webflow webflow is such a such a community driven company you know since since day one and i think the beauty is since i'm a, i'm a no code maker myself that's how i started my journey i'm kind of very biased towards uh, the community but it's truly one of the phenomenal uh, communities i'm part of because most of the no code makers are they're humble they're very driven they're like they want to build shit and they want to like just launch it and there is this camaraderie that brotherhood that that the no code community brings in so uh the question is for you when did you realize that like you know it, be it like not just about personally you but as a company like webflow when did you guys like i don't i don't necessarily say pivot but actually focused more on you know what community is really such a key thing especially in the no code movement and when did you start nurturing that thought uh how do you usually think about a community inside the company like you know uh starting from lat to you and you know going down down the line yeah so i think that like one of the beautiful things about the no code community is that it's all about democratization it's all about empowering mm-hmm. people who have all this pent up creativity and energy mm-hmm. and ideas and giving right. them the tools to to really see some of those things come to fruition and mm-hmm. i think for a very very long time even when you like think back it seems crazy but like a decade ago even more than that when like the web was still one of those mm-hmm. things that felt okay cool as a consumer this is mm-hmm. accessible but as a builder like it was still a massive question mark for like a lot True. of people right um, absolutely and when i spend time talking to the co-founding team and spending time with vlad kind of hearing that story like it was not a immediate like hey mm. we have this idea we're going to empower people to build for the web and then all of the vcs in the valley were like clapping <laughs> like here you yeah. go <laughs> things it was quite right. the opposite mm. um and i think actually out of that out of that kind of like hey you really have to prove that this mm-hmm. is something that people want like why would mm-hmm. someone care about a visual builder when they can just learn how to code and i mm. think that actually like lit a fire <laughs> and mm. that lit a fire not just in that co-founding team to build an incredible visual interface right. but right. lit a fire that resonated with a lot of other people as well right. and right. so from the very beginning that starts for a lot of companies and webflow included as like early users passionate about the problem that they're solving mm-hmm. and like that camaraderie that quick feedback loop ended up becoming exactly like how are we going to build a tool for the people 
Mm. And that carried that thread for years mm. <laughs> and continued yep. to kind of establish as to why community right. for a lot of people, in particular for Webflow, in particular for no code, right. has been such a core strategy, has right. been right. core part. Because right. right. it is really about building tools for that group of people. Always. Right. Right. Um, and it's very, very exciting, um, especially when now, 10 years later, looking at, or I guess almost 10 years later uh, in Webflow's journey, looking at yeah. where community stands, it's influencing the product roadmap. It's mm. ensuring that we have a really like crystal clear idea of right. who are we actually serving? Where do they live? What are their problems? Mm -hmm. And we can mm -hmm. name names. Mm. <laughs> um, it's about... Um, directly connecting and empowering with those folks. And because we're a creator yep. tool, also co-creation. Right. All right. of which yeah. would be possible I, without it. As, as someone who is like watching you guys grow, it's, it's actually very inspirational to me. And there is so much uh, we can learn as like how to actually inculcate community into like, you know, deep into the DNA of a company and yet achieve the success you guys achieved like you know it's not like you compromised because it it, it takes a long time and it, it, when you when you build a community at least in my opinion if it's not intentional there is so much distraction community itself becomes distraction there is no intention right because they say hell a lot of things and you get confused because you have certain goals which they don't match and they, there's a mismatch there but yeah. i feel the the way vlad you know the whole journey and even before actual webflow which is the product today he pivoted so many times it's not like he did yeah. like woke up one day and like you know what i'm going to build i'm going to change the way people design websites right it's not that case and that that i think that played a massive role in my opinion because he was humble he wants to listen to people and he really wants to build things for people like in a way right so yeah. uh the other thing you also mentioned, which I, I I kind of want to double down on that for folks who are listening, who are just getting started, you know, building their companies and want to involve communities in their DNA is that you were very, very, very close to people. Like I, there were so many instances you actually retweeted my tweets, like the whole Webflow in general. Like, I'm, I don't know who, who did that, but it felt like, so much it felt like i'm part of this and that's what you said like empowering people who actually are part of the movement they don't necessarily have to be using webflow but on a whole movement and i used to i used to broadcast my identity like no code maker no code maker like thousands of times and webflow was there to acknowledge that that itself is is kind of like something uh I remember which actually kind of also played a role in, in my shaping my journey as a maker. And I saw like take Waldo, like you guys have like a set of people. I know, I know he's, he's not part of Webflow right now, but he's such a warm guy. Like he's, he's always like listens to people. He also want, he always wants to help people and the, the giving mindset were, and also on top of it, like, okay, you are not a Webflow user. We don't care but you are a maker building things. We care about that. So on a high level, that mission itself is so important. And I have a question there, which is in the initial days, at least, you know, as per your knowledge or whenever you started your journey at Webflow, 
how did you balance that like how did you balance being you know distractions versus like okay this is purely our focus let's actually like empower this community uh, make them build things using webflow and i i kind of know the answer but i want to like hear it out from your words uh, how did you like together as a team with one single mission empowering you know more builders how did that sh- uh, took shape and what was like the initial days at least yeah so i think as well just like also just echoing uh, i think one of the beautiful things that you you kind of like pseudo hinted at right there is like you can also just like we can name people within the community people within the community can name people that help to influence that and sometimes mm-hmm. they live within teams of places sometimes they are literally all around the world and they just care and sometimes you have a bad day and that one person changes that for you mm-hmm. and i think like that's what's really really beautiful mm-hmm. um to to get to your point around how do we prioritize like i wish that there was a magic answer to this because as much mm-hmm. as I feel like prioritization is a moving target mm-hmm. <laughs> always. Yeah, but yeah. Um, in terms of aligning around the mission, like for for Webflow specifically, it is one of those things that I can pretty confidently say became very easy, became very obvious because mm-hmm. of how close the team was to the archetype that we were trying to empathize mm-hmm. with. Where right. especially in early days, like the... It, it was a bunch of builders building mm. for builders and mm. building for p- previous versions of themselves that didn't have right. that tool. Um, right. And so in a lot of ways, there there was just this deep inherent empathy of mm. how, how can we empower more people? And mm-hmm. if we were to look into the future and think about, okay, what does innovation look like? What does mm-hmm. new creation look like? And mm-hmm. Cool. Let's like use logic here for a second. Why should code be the barrier for that? Mm, um, okay. That's like the same argument as being like, oh, like an individual language is the key to success. Right, right, right. Yeah, which is yeah, not right. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. I I really like the the way you framed the whole thing, and I'm just curious that you, you mentioned archetype. and it's 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 about like picking a niche in a way right like it's about like specifically identifying okay this is what we this is who we want to focus on for the rest of few years and we want to nurture them that's that that actually is a foundation any tips you want to give for the listeners who are just again getting started with community building how to find or define these archetypes like what is there a way you did it at webflow which you want to share yeah so i think like like my honestly my biggest piece of advice is like you have to have that focus for the idea of who your ideal archetype is just because you need something like in the back of your brain when you're building things to kind of keep mm-hmm. you in check mm-hmm. um because mm-hmm. we as people will naturally try to like follow to our own biases right. <laughs> <laughs> but i think the other part of that is also like strong opinions loosely held to a degree because people evolve mm. and that archetype is also going to evolve so mm. kind of two big rules either way but right. in terms of like rolling up your sleeves and like getting started with that my mm-hmm. biggest recommendation is actually like take a step back away from like okay who is your core defined segment at the company that you may work at or mm-hmm. maybe something that's already predefined and think mm-hmm. about it as as though you're inviting someone to a party um mm-hmm. what what is that party for is that like hey guys like we're going to sit down and we're all going to watch football cool that probably is going to help you inform like who your architect right. is 
Right. <laughs> I love so, that. Yeah. It just makes it more human. Right. Um, and so think about like your archetypes as like your original guest list. Who are like the mm. five people or the 10 people that you see filling that room? And it starts to become a lot easier to understand mm. like, what do they all have in common? Cool. Like right. how much variance are you comfortable with in that room mm. without mm. it getting a little weird? <laughs> mm. And like the more and more you do that, the more and more it's easier to have those conversations about what should you put into the room? What should you put into your community? I love that. I, I, I really love the, the whole party analogy right there, because I think it, it removes goals. It removes these big mission vision statements and basically it basically becomes like you said more human now i, ho I want to host a party let me actually see who i can mingle with like kind of find my like-minded tribe I, I and i think that's a great way of uh great way to start once let's say i just want to like curiously pick your brain on on the whole archetype in the next phase of it like once you have oh, it absolutely. what what are what are some things you recommend community builders should do like okay i have like i know early stage founders I, that's my life i dedicate to them yep. i want to build products to them where do they go from there like do, do you suggest launching like any initiatives and if yes what would that look like uh or like i want to i want to hear your uh thought process there yeah so I, I, again, try to kind of keep it into analogies. This is also very helpful for anyone who's tuning in and has to like communicate the goals mm -hmm. of community to other folks. It's mm -hmm. always easier to, to do it this yeah. way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I view kind of like, let's say if your original community, one big room filled with early stage founders, cool. Mm -hmm. The core mm -hmm. goal of that original group was find something that unifies them. What What's mm -hmm. the thing they have in common? They're all early stage right. founders. Cool, yep. check. Um, the next phase, as you're trying to figure out how to keep them there or how to make their time there really, really memorable, is mm -hmm. ironically to start to think about the things that are different in between them. Mm. Um, and so the next thing that you, I normally look at are, okay, what are the subgroups? So early mm. stage founders in this example could be like, are they pre-seed seed? Are, are mm. they a cool? That could be one way. There, are right. they um, focused on fundraising? Are they on team building? Are they on like product roadmap? Like those right. are very different things that separate mm -hmm. them, but can mm -hmm. also be unify like unifiers right. in their own. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so then you have to go down to the next process of, do we create a space for those people to connect or mm -hmm. do we build something that helps to solve that? Mm -hmm. um, because now that you have everybody in that room, you either mm -hmm. have to open up a new room so that that whole big room doesn't become a mess and people right. can kind of find their like smaller group of people to spend the rest of the night with. Right. Or you have to unify them around an activity that solves a problem of that room is too crowded. What do they do? Mm. Um, right. And I think like the third bit of that is also a community in a lot of ways is also a waiting room. Like you right. got them into the room there's right. only so long they're going to sit there before mm. you are as a host or someone who is there providing value to them. So mm. like you also want to think about almost like a gauge of how long mm. have I gone without shipping something of value for them. Mm. So if you feel like it's dropping, you mm. can like, for example, with the early stage founders, you'd be like, okay, there's a lot of you that 
are looking for frameworks on like how to do your like series A deck. Cool. Right, We're going to yeah. run like a workshop on that or like here's a bunch of templates for mm. it. Okay, all of a sudden you ship something. They're like engagement is back up. So right. keeping that in mind of like, do you create a space to connect and kind of have more of the hands off approach mm. or do you ship something that solves a problem is constantly going to be what's on your mind to keep that going. I, I, I love it so much. And I think one of the examples that comes to my mind in a similar journey, uh, what you explained is product and community. They, they fundamentally built a massive, massive community of makers. They brought together mm-hmm. on a similar line. Like, you know, the communities always have sub communities. Like you said, that's absolutely a great way to think about it because it removes a lot of barriers. You know, uh, you don't have to necessarily do something for this big group you can start doing like this any any initiative or any workshop like you said for this very small tight knit of like you know three people yeah. or two people and that's how i feel you know value can be recognized that's how i feel like bonding sense of belonging those things will nurture and uh so i was curious like what are some initiatives that that webflow takes that are like you know super proud and uh that actually really worked so that's part of the question and i want to also learn about what are some things you tried and you're like you failed miserably or like you know you were like <laughs> drastically and you, you learned something which you implemented in the next uh next iteration what two two uh questions there yeah so i think like in terms of, I'll start with failures and then we can end on a high note there. <laughs> but in, in terms of failures, I think like the big thing to keep in mind, especially if like you are building community, like it's building a good community is actually building a runway to fail. Like that's ultimately mm. what you're trying to do. Like if you have a strong mm. connection with your community, their, their reaction to your failure is like, eh, that's, that wasn't that great. But like looking forward to the next thing. Versus mm. like if you have no connection to your community and you launch something into the ether and it bombs, silence mm. is like the worst possible response. <laughs> that you yeah. can get. Um, right. So I think like there's, there's a few things that I can definitely like call out to you. Like I think number one is, especially actually coming from like Tilt and going into my, my job right after that where uh, I was uh, doing growth at a company called Clio. Um, mm-hmm. Clio for context, focused on lawyers. Um, mm. Tilt focused on like university, college students, early professionals who are like mm. doing fun things in their life. Very, very different audiences. Right. <laughs> yeah, of course. And there was this base level understanding that like, however, very different audiences, both very Rolodex, very community driven. Lawyers mm-hmm. talk to lawyers. They like have a lot of like social, um, a lot of social dependencies in the same way that friend groups would. Mm-hmm. Um, so one mistake that I had was, okay, cool. This worked here. I'm going to like pick it up. I'm going to go put mm. it in this other group um, and just change, let's say a few words here, a few like sentiments of what this looks like and see how that, that runs. Right. Um, and I think like the, the mistake was twofold. One is, um, it is a human problem that you're solving mm-hmm. when you're building community and people are mm-hmm. different. So what does that look mm-hmm. like? But the second one is also like, try not to be biased even by your own opinions of, or your own successes in the past because mm. people evolve or things can change there. And as someone focused on community growth, 
you need to be agile. You need to be mm. like responsive to those things. And so I strongly encourage like anybody that's going through this. This was the first thing I did when I joined Webflow was like, mm. go on a listening tour, like, and do this mm. not like once when you first join, but like regularly and get every right. single person on your team to do the same thing. Um, mm. Because... How, yeah. how did you yeah. do that? Like, do you, do, when you say, I really like the, the, the word listening tour, because mm -hmm. I believe most of the communities, successful communities have a single uh, quality, which is community builders listening, keep mm -hmm. paying keen attention to like people, right? Uh, just, just wondering, uh, didn't mean to stop there, but what was, when you say listening tour, what, what is something you did? Like you hopped on one-on-one -on -one calls or what was it? Yeah. So it was a combination of things. Like some are like, first off, people naturally hang out in places, go hang out in those places. Don't be weird about it, mm -hmm. but go hang out in those places. Right. Second is, um, I scheduled a ton of one-on-one -on -one calls and almost always ended off that call with like, um, Hey, like I'm trying to meet with as many people as possible who are doing really incredible things in this community. Who should mm -hmm. I meet next? So like always right. trying to go off that way. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other way that I also did that was because it's not always feasible to do like one-on-ones forever is, right. hey, I'm going to do like an AMA um, and I'm going to invite mm. like a bunch of folks to come in or right. I'm gonna do like a community town hall and I'm going to have a few right. people uh, come up and kind of present and we can have more of an event that way. Mm -hmm. um, so there's loads of ways that you can do that. Mm, I love that. Yeah, please go ahead. I think I was just curious about the listening tour, but yeah, you, you, were, you were talking about... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess like the, the big reason for that is like successful communities, like you mentioned, listen, and more importantly, mm -hmm. they don't just listen, they understand, which I think mm -hmm. is like a very important caveat because there's actually nothing more frustrating than being in a community that listens, quote unquote, but mm -hmm. doesn't do anything with that or misinterprets mm -hmm. what it is that you were saying. Right. <laughs> right. So I think that like, very much so learned from that and from my background in product. And I'm sure you can relate that yep, is yep. just that it's all about listening and putting that into action as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And with Webflow, I think that that very much so like that very much so like evolved into, okay, every single time that we are launching something, who are we working with from the community to make sure that they're like part of that mm -hmm. feedback, that they're part of that iteration. How do we right. reinvent what it looks like to have collaboration, but collaboration not necessarily just being cross-functional, but instead with community members always. And mm. I think like that's been an incredible success story. And it's something mm. that feels so much better, especially mm. now when we think about building resources to support, let's say freelancers in our community or in-house mm -hmm. solo marketers or whichever identifier someone goes by, like, we should be building with those people, not prescribing mm. solutions to their unique yeah. problems. Um, I love that. Yeah. And then yeah. I think, oh, sorry. Um, I think like the, the last thing that I would say here in terms of problems um, mm -hmm. is it's also like, I think I'll, I'll put a caveat on some of these things, but it's also really, really difficult to... Mm -hmm over or let's say really, really difficult to respond to everything mm -hmm. all the time. And so mm -hmm. a problem that I actually think a lot of people make when they're scaling community and you get that traction and people are so excited 
is that you feel the need to be on 24-7. Um, and I say this as like a catch-22 where it's important to be there, but it's super important to like also set boundaries and like make sure that you are reminding folks in the community that like your team and yourself are also human. Um, and I think that Webflow does a really exceptional job of that, but I have definitely talked to folks who have been on the other side of that and have felt deeply overwhelmed. So if you're listening to this and you're going through that, like remind yourself, like this is, this is hard. It's like talking to every one of your friends every single day for the rest of your life. You're probably not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think like there, there's a, definitely like a few, and I mean, a lot of these, keep in mind, are like very specific to your community. Um, but I think it, in a lot of ways, like one really obvious success, if you are scaling and like you are looking to continue to to grow that community or the product that is associated with it, is like bring people from the community in, <laughs> like. I think one of the most beautiful things about really growing a product or a vision with people who really care and understand that that path as well is that they're incredible people to work with. Um, and like you even just talked about this. I mean, I, I think about this all the time when I work with Nelson at Webflow, for example. Um, Nelson like taught me how to use Webflow in like 24 to 2015, I don't know, somewhere around there. Um, and I remember like sitting down and like beating my head against the wall. Cause I was like, I don't know how to build this thing. And in comes pixel geek, AKA Nelson, um, doing a live stream on Facebook. And I would like have him open up on my like desktop while I'm like doing my work or like managing our, our super shitty early stage startup website that I should not have been building. <laughs> and, um, I think like one of the beautiful things about that is like seeing him at the team and having the pleasure to work with Nelson now is like there, there's knowledge in there that is just an utter success story, not even just in like having that proved through and through, but also in like what they're capable of and, and how responsive that they are um, with the actual problems in the community. I think the other part is I think something super successful was taking a look at what are some of the evolutions of our community members and building programs around that. So things like, okay, hey, there's all these people that are getting together to learn together. We need a program that supports that and we're gonna invest in the actual lowering of barriers for that. So that started off with event organizers who were starting local meetups everywhere. We needed that, they were helping each other. And it's also just important to reward them for that and make sure that they know that they're heard and appreciated. Um, over time, especially with the pandemic, as we all know in community, is that pandemic rocked us in that regard. Um, <laughs> and it's allowed us to like evolve in a lot of ways. So a success from there was, hey, that, that's not the only way that people get together and empower each other. There are people that are educators, like Rand Segal, uh, for example, who probably if he like put a post up somewhere and was like, hey, I'm going to like have a community meetup in the ether, there would be hundreds of thousands of people who'd be like, oh, my God, it's Rand Segal. <laughs> and like the same way with people who are creators, like, for example, the Reloom guys who had put together just a bunch of things to be helpful. Um, and so a success is definitely 
acknowledging those differences and now immediately building programs around them or acknowledging that there are people that are going to solve problems that like we as a company aren't going to be able to in the same amount of time. So how can we like, how can we better support those folks and increase discoverability, like launching the marketplace or by working hand in hand with them so that we can deliver more value faster. And I think those are really, really great. Um, and have also allowed us more runway to invest in other things like our grants program, which isn't focused on how is this going to necessarily grow Webflow, but instead, hey, let's pay back to the incredible work that people are doing just generally in the space. I think that that's the tough part is like, I think one of the, the things that actually does work very, very well for Webflow is that like at the core, people understand why community is important. It is incredibly difficult to be successful in community if like the core does not understand um, why are we investing time into this? What, what does that look like? And what does the long-term effects of that really mean? And often to your point there, we're always thinking about needle movers. We're always thinking about the short term, the fastest way to X and community isn't always that answer. Uh, it is sometimes, but it isn't always. And I think that causes a lot of people to make mistakes about how they measure it, how they communicate it or how they run it, where, it can potentially be a very transactional channel when community, like people don't sign up for communities so that they can just like get ads. <laughs> um, so th there are things like that, that I, I think are really important to keep in mind. Yeah. So I, I think in a lot of ways, it's really about like, um, it's really about, especially if you are a community leader, like you have to really learn, like what are the frameworks? How do you become the bridge in between a lot of cross-functional departments? And like, I think my, my background in growth and kind of running community undergrowth for a very, very long time, I've had a lot of practice through fire of how do I relate it back to a lot of like the growth metrics that the, the company really cares about. And so for Webflow, like the way that I always frame that is that our community is predominantly focused on activation. We're predominantly focused on getting people from either the question mark, I don't know what I'm doing, to casual user, but ideally going from casual to power user. Um, and from there, it is a lot easier to start to talk about, okay, why are we investing in those things? Because now all of a sudden we have opportunities to put the grants program is like really taking people who are at the cusp or almost at um, uh, the power user demographic and they have proven that like they're, they're makers, they're going to do something with this. How do we accelerate that for them? Um, and that goodwill or however, which way it comes from, great. Like, let's take that bet. Just like you would a long-term growth bet. <laughs> and um, when I take a look at my, my own team, we're really focused on kind of two main things. One is activation. How quickly are people understanding, building, publishing, sharing things within uh, the Webflow ecosystem? And on the other side is advocacy. How are we showing up, um, showing up, uh, supporting them, driving that back into actionable feedback, bringing that cross-functionally back into our teams um, so that we can execute on it? So with those two things, it is very obvious those threads where they stand and kind of how they help to influence the company. 
And I think like, honestly, that's like that probably 90% of your community always um, is, is that basically people who, who are part of that room, but may not be the loudest voices in that or may not want to be. And that's also totally okay. Um, I think like the, the big thing to keep in mind about that is that it's really like, if you want to get super specific about it, it's a ratio game of like, you don't need to have every single person in your community be like type A, I'm running shit, like here's what I'm doing. Um, because the value of that, imagine getting into a room with like a bunch of people who want to be up on stage, no one's listening. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, that's awful. It's like going to like a drop-in stand-up show and everyone's a comedian and they're just like waiting for their spot. Like it's awful. Um, but, um, I think like the big things to to keep in mind is that you as a community manager or someone who's focused on that that strategy, your job is to identify who are either at the cusp or who are power users and what does that look like? How do you empower them? Do they become mods? Do they like run their own little thing? Do you support them in what they are doing to kind of run and get other people up to speed in like a certain niche or you are really, really focused on like accelerating parts of that user journey. Like the way that I almost always describe community at Webflow is like if if you have watched Loki or you're into the Marvel universe right now, which it seems like my entire team is. <laughs> but myself included, so like I'm definitely not othering myself there. But um, our like core user journey is essentially like our core timeline, right? Uh, community is all the repair paths of us, like trying to like bring them back to it and people might deviate and they're going to have different things that they are distracted by or that they care about. But our goal is to have as many possible paths that people can have that get them onto that unified journey. Um, and so when you think about it that way, like you can have this huge outlier or like this huge, like uh, cumulus of people all over the place, but have a few really strong beacons and people are going to naturally find what beacon makes sense to them. And like, that's how you should be thinking about it. You have to communicate something abstract with community always. Oh, sorry, it's just impossible. Otherwise I find <laughs> uh, either directly within my team or I've somehow inherited it over time. <laughs> it, it is the shiny object that I always want. <laughs> I think like the the really awesome opportunities, and that's I think there's a lot of buzzwords around like community led growth, et cetera. And there are things people say a ton right now. <laughs> and I think the reality of it is that like good products or good growth teams that know how to build and leverage a community basically just translates to know their customer and talk to their customer very regularly. <laughs> um, the way that I view community is that like you we're building or the way that I view community within growth is that we're building like the whole product journey, quote unquote. And that's like what happens within the screen and the confines of whatever the tool that you are working on, but also like, what about everything else? <laughs> Where do people go to like learn about that thing? Where do they go to connect about it? Where do they share? And when you think about growth, it, that's really what it is. It's about how do you, grab people when they're like in the ether? How do you bring them into the product? How do you like better understand how they're using it, their problem, their use case, so that you can better understand the next person that comes through and so on and so forth. 
And so when you think about it that way, like it's such a natural pairing and that can be like put in pretty much any problem set that is the most important for that company. So for a lot of early, early stage, you find like, um, you find people actually using community for like early acquisition. Like where are my early users? How do I like foster a community of people that we can really build with them in mind and are super excited about the problem that we're solving? Then the next stage might actually be, how does community serve as more of like an activation measure? of how are we getting people over the gap of like, I have no idea how to use this thing. Oh, there are so many other people that are using it. It must not be that bad. Let me jump in and learn. Um, and for later stage, it might be monetization, which you see from like, um, which you see from like certified consultants or a lot of like, think about Salesforce and their gazillion and one Salesforce <laughs> consultants that live like, community unlocked revenue for that opportunity, but it didn't get there until they had their early users who were like, what are you building? Let me help you. Then it got too convoluted and people were like, oh crap, how do I activate? And then they built Salesforce communities. And then they were like, oh, it's so hard for me to go through this. Like maybe there's a business opportunity here. And then it goes into that third phase. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I joined VoiceLow and they're, uh, I think it was their first leadership hire. They were like four guys out of an incubator eating like Timbits or Canadian. Um, but um, when when I first started with them, like they were building a no code solution for Alexa and Google, which is like a niche on a niche on a niche. Um, and <laughs> yeah. And no, 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 it was just like, I think the first problem that we had was acquisition. We're like, how on earth do we find these people? Because they're so, they're so few. Um, and so we actually used community at first just to like validate, like, are there people out there that like care about this? <laughs> and so early stage was building an Alexa and Google community, period. It had nothing to do with us. We were just like, do they exist? Cool. Next stage is like, are people like trying to tinker with this? And the archetype was arguably actually parents who had a technical background who were like, this is kind of fun. I got a kid at home. I need to entertain said kid. Um, and we realized that, oh, actually there's like a, there's like a use case that is pretty easy for us to think about, which at the time was like interactive children's stories. Um, it would like occupy their kids for ages. It like had a long like do over. It was fairly easy to understand. So that became the next iteration of it. From there, we were like, we accidentally built a builder that does anything. And so we started to kind of go more and more into, okay, let's beyond that use case. Started to expand our community, go from there. Um, and eventually that ended up becoming like our core of, okay, here are people who are early users, they're building, they're in the no-code space. Let's start to expand. Let's support them. And so we like took very meaningful steps into becoming a player in the no-code space, um, which allowed us to really kind of start to play with the big names, um, as well as start to build um, things like our showcase or more ways that people do templates, more ways to support them. And now what we've seen or kind of before uh, I left that same path of acceleration of knowledge for the tool 
became the same path for them to become champions within their own companies and even help us break into enterprise. So like there are so many ways that that can evolve. It's just about that like listening and taking action and understanding cues, just like the early foundations that we said. I think it, it definitely, so I, I wouldn't necessarily say that like, okay, our only goal is activation with community. Uh, I think that there are like inherent things that we know where community sits in. So like we, we know that there are other teams that are focused 100% of the time on acquisition. We know that community is a natural um, or is highly correlated to longer retention. Um, like those things are like knowns. So we have the privilege of like not having to think about those things as top of mind. But it doesn't mean that they don't exist. And it doesn't mean that the company is not focused on it. Um, I think like the other way of looking at it is that I almost always think about like our goals of like, what are we measured by as a goal? And then what are our health metrics? So like things that are that cannot fall in order to ensure that like we can be focused on that top, that, that top level goal. And some of those things can be like, like you had mentioned, like, are we still having people come and sign up? And like, are they interested in what we're building? Cool. If so, carry on. <laughs> if not, there's probably like some D-Day situation and we need to work on that. <laughs> um, and so that flexibility is important. So I think it, it really depends on where your community sits. Like, for example, if Webflow's community was, let's say, uh, no coders or was like early stage what Indie Hackers was before Stripe bought them. Like that would have made a ton of sense for that to be an acquisition community because here are people that like aren't necessarily associated with the product. They're like out in the ether, they're doing their thing. Um, but our product can solve like a subset of some of their problems. Cool. Natural reason for us to have like that moving into it. Webflow's community specifically is a product community. And so there's this gut assumption that people are not part of that community unless they're either like interested in Webflow or actively uh, working using Webflow. Um, and so that also kind of allows us to kind of hone in on that a little bit. I would say for like VoiceFlow, like we shifted in between those two where we started with like, we have no users, we don't know what we're doing. Let's do like a, an acquisition style community and then realize that you know what, we have enough traction, we have enough going for us. Let's shift that into a product-oriented community that helps to, to level up people. And so, like, I think you have to choose what makes the most sense for, like, what the goals are of that company at that time and be able to play with it. As yeah. Do you feel that traction? It's, like, relatively... Yeah, so I think, like, I I strongly believe that, like, people are just going to continue to find like alternative means of like how to run companies. Like I, I, I strongly believe as much as there's this many people who are working on solving problems for people, there's probably people who are gonna find out more ways for us to build. <laughs> so I think that that's kind of like, like period, no matter what. I, I do think that we are shifting more and more into like a customer centric way of building um, because like, the reality of it is that traditional means of growing companies that were historically almost only based on user growth. We all remember that phase of, of, of startups um, like that, that has already shifted into, okay, but sustainable models are now king. So like um, revenue models are king. 
Um, and we almost like overcorrected into like, okay, this user's only, now it's revenue only. Um, and I feel like as things like stabilize a little bit more and more, we're feeling more of that equilibrium come back and where it's like companies that are successful in the future are gonna be companies that truly understand who their customer demographic is, have a strong defensive mode because they actually have really good connections and relationships with those people. So that like a discount code, a promotional like ad or something like that from a competitor can't just go in and sway them. Um, so I do think that we are going into an era of like almost like stake and claim your your users versus kind of like the high velocity that we might have been used to in the past where it is gonna be more around customers, more around community, uh, like you mentioned, but it has elements of that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, thanks so much for having me. You, if there's anyone that's listening that wants to jam community or uh, reach out at any points, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Emily Lanetto or on LinkedIn if that's where you live as well. Uh, be more than happy to chat.